Welcome to the Komunda Nation podcast. My name is Josh Wolf. I'm a developer advocate at Komunda and your host for this episode. In this episode, my colleague Niall Dehan talks with Marcus Stahl about robot framework, an open source automation framework used for testing and for robotic process automation, aka RPA. Marcus has been using robot framework with Komunda 7 but doing it in such a way that it translates easily to Commander Platform 8 using the external task worker pattern. Whether you're a Python programmer, interested in RPA, or wanting to learn more about Commander Platform 8, this conversation is for you. Now one thing to note, we recorded this episode before the official launch of Commander Platform 8. So when Niall and Marcus talk about Commander Cloud, they are referring to the product formerly known as Commander Cloud and now known as Commander Platform 8. So with that in mind, let's listen in. Hello, I'm Niall, and in this episode of the podcast, we're going to be discussing Robot Framework and how it integrates with Commander. Robot Framework is an open source RPA tool written in Python. It's often used for testing front-end applications, but more recently it's been used for creating bots that interact with other less accessible systems without APIs and things. I'm not alone, of course. I'm joined with an expert in the topic, which is uh, Marcus. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, of course. Uh, yeah, my name is Marcus uh, Stahl, and I'm a tech evangelist at Avartis Systems where I take care of developers and bring them together to collaborate. And my deal with Robert Framework is that I once upon a time, I was a Java developer and uh, was working with uh, testers together and realized they uh, have a lot of manual work to do and thought maybe it can help them. And had some, some ideas how I would assist them with Java tools. And although it made things easier, it was not quite the right thing for testers because they were not developers and they were hesitating using Java tools and uh, had a little bit of distance to it. Then one day I came across a robot framework and thought, okay, this is it. I don't need to stay in Java for helping my, my uh, testing colleagues, but robot framework actually does the job for me. It, it hides all the complexity from the programming language and makes it really easy for testers to program without realizing your programming. <laughs> Which is perfect. That's actually kind of part of the first topic I want to bring up with you, because one of the things that I learned from joining the robot framework was the different ways robot framework can solve different problems. So you're discussing there the first problem you came across with this with, with robot framework, which was this testing thing. Can you explain a little more details, the sort of the how robot framework solved that problem and the kind of benefits that you you would have seen immediately from it yes so robot framework is actually not an rpa tool it's it's really only a framework it, it hides the complexity of python so as you may know everything on this planet is uh, written in python or has some python mm. api or python module written for it so if you want to automate anything then there's a Python module out there. The drawback is that you have to know how Python works. So you have this benefit that if you want to test something, you want to access another system, you have a developer-ready API or developer-ready module that you can use, but you're not a programmer. You're, you're a business person. You know all the use mm -hmm. cases that you want to cover. And then Robot Framework is a layer in between the programming language and the business layer. So you can describe your business case in your own words and then similar like jbhave does it in in, in java it mm. translates the keywords 
into Python code, but you don't usually you don't see the Python code. Mm. Yeah, actually, that's one of the things I really liked about Robot Framework was I, of course, am not a, Java, a Python developer, very much Java background, and I have used a, a, a bit of Robot Framework for some random little um, projects, and it's very readable. Like that's the, seems to be a very key point of Robot Framework is to be able to remove the barrier of requiring understanding of the programming language itself and be able to not just write those things, but also read them really easily. Yes, exactly. So uh, when I started with uh, using Robot Framework also for RPA, I was in contact with uh, consultants from, from Robocop and showed them a few examples of mine. And they were surprised that I used you know, we have in German the, uh, the, those weird letters that nobody else has. And <laughs> I know them really well, yeah. <laughs> and you're capable of, of using them, and you can even use uh, special characters that you usually save for your passwords or something. Uh, so hashtags and, uh, and quotation marks, something. you can use them in your, in your uh, test case description. So you can program in, in quotation, marks, uh, quotation marks, program your use case with, uh, with your own words and your own special letters and so on and and they were surprised and said yes of course you can do this and uh, i think i even saw somewhere on the internet use cases written in i don't know what it was mandarin or something it mm. were not no latin letters at all but wow. this is the, this is amazing that you can wherever you are in the world i think if you have characters that are in utf8 or something mm. you can describe it in robot framework yeah, that's a really good point. I remember when we first did DMN, like when we first built the DMN engine, and I remember I went to Denmark to a government institution there to try and help them build some rules. And one of the main requirements was it had to handle Danish characters as well. And it was, and again, DMN is the same idea because DMNs intended to be, uh, which is a rules engine, tend to be implemented and maintained by end users. So you don't have the same, you can't give the same restrictions like you could to a developer and just tell them, sorry, this is the characters that you're allowed to use. Um, in the same way, you need to say, okay, well, if we want this really to be readable and really to be usable by regular human beings, then we actually need to take into account that weird Danish letters exist and also weird German letters exist. And if you don't do that, you're really not catering for the majority of use cases. Speaking of those use cases, we're talking actually a lot about the use case of, of testing. Robot Framework came to my knowledge whenever people started to use it with Comunda in combination with uh, RPA tools. You mentioned like that it's not, a Robot Framework is not an RPA tool, which is absolutely correct. But because the framework can essentially do what an RPA bot can do, and because it's open source, it's found its way in there. Can you talk a little more about Robot Framework as it has entered the RPA market in, in the way it has? Mm -hmm. So I think it for 10 years or something, a Robot Framework made it easy for testers to become test automation engineers. I joined the testing team and the testers, uh, they, they were really comfortable in automating test cases. And at one point, I went to this uh, conference you mentioned, Robocon, and there people were talking about that people abused kind of test cases for uh, buying concert tickets or something, which is which is not really a test case. You, you write a test case, but the test case is, right, yeah. buy me the U2 concert tickets that are mm. sold out within two minutes or something. Mm. 
I think the CEO from RoboCorp, he went on stage and said, everyone who can automate test cases can do RPA. And I thought, yes, of mm. course, of course you can, mm. because what's what's the difference? I mean, there, there are a few differences. Just yeah. to interrupt you very slightly there, to introduce RoboCorp into the conversation, do you want mm. to quickly um, give a a one or two line description of RoboCorp as opposed to Robo Framework, the very oftenly confused things? Yes, they're very often confused. Uh, the difference is maybe... So Robot Framework is, is like the language. You can consider Robot Framework as a programming language or as, as it is only a framework. It's not It's not a company. Behind Robot Framework, there's a Robot Framework Foundation. It's funded. Um, there's no company behind it. RoboCorp is a company that does a business out of the capabilities and offers a platform and tools that you can use to uh, utilize Robot Framework for process automation or robotic process automation and task automation. And so, and you were saying that it was the point where RoboCorp kind of said and sort of said this thing, hey, if you can use this for automating test cases, you know how to use RPA bots, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, they. I think when they said it, it was like half a year before they uh, actually went public. So the difference between a test case and, and, and a task or a process is that when a test case fails, you want the complete process to end and just want to have a report and look at it and say, mm. oh, yes, okay, I have to change the test data. Oh, okay, mm. I found the bug. But you don't want to have this in a process. So, you know, in VPN, you have those VPN errors and mm. uh, you can have incidents and retries and stuff. So you have some mechanisms. You want to save the process because the real-world process is more complicated than a test case. Mm. And you have to take into account eventualities. So if something is slightly different than you expect, you still want the process and the task to go, go through and to pass. Mm. And so we started talking about robot framework and then we moved on to RoboCorp, which is kind of built on top of that. Um, and now we've mentioned processes for the first time because the other aspect of being able to integrate robot framework is, it, as you said, outside of the test case scenario is when it comes to processes. So a lot of people started using Robot Framework as an alternative to other RPA tools, as our RoboCorp in particular, as opposed to RPA tools, because it's way easier to use as part of a process. So before we talk about Comunda in particular and how that works with um, RoboCorp, do you want to just uh, give me some idea about the kind of reasons why let's say, processes and RoboCorp or Framework has tended to go together rather than, for instance, some of the other bigger RPA tools? I believe one of the, the key potentials is that you have a much broader uh, potential community and much broader group of, of users and developers who can do RPA. The classic RPA tools... In my opinion, they you need a training for this. So they start with a within workshop and say, okay, everyone can automate. And then they start, everyone starts automating. And then management says, okay, we, we go with it and uh, we do RPA now. And then the next thing you see is that you they ask for a lot of RPA developers and looking for RPA, RPA developers that are particularly specialized in this one product. So you have a really rare or small amount of people that uh, that you try to, to hire. With Robot Framework, you're much broader. You can hire basically anyone who is not afraid of, a, of any program languages. 
mm. uh, of, of any programming language because you don't need to be an expert in Python to start with. And you don't even need to be an expert in programming to start with Empathy Automation. Yeah. And then because there's Python, Python underneath, everything starts up in in my experience much faster than the solutions that I've I've seen uh, mm. in with the, with the other products. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I've, all, I've never actually built anything for production. Well, I've done many years now, but like I never attempted to with any of the RPA things, but I spent a good few months exploring the RPA community and trying to get started with stuff. And for me, just as someone getting started, um, one of the things I noticed was the, the lack of proprietary stuff cluttering up your development uh, workflow. Uh, with RPA, with um, a robot framework, as you said, robot framework is you open up an IDE that you want that can deal with Python, you install Python, and then you're basically good to go. Then everything else basically works. I know from using UiPath and uh, Automation Anywhere that it it took me days to just get a development environment set up, especially if you wanted to use their cloud thing, which is quite complicated. And notably, I, I was coming from a position of being, I'm just trying to explore this and see the potential, but I was able to get started so much faster as a, as a developer myself, who already has all of this development stuff installed on my laptop. It was so much easier to get started with Robot Framework. And that's kind of why... I started to see that as the the, the better option for uh, RPA integration mm -hmm. with Comunda. And actually speaking of that, with RPA integration with Comunda, there's a lot of people who see the added benefit of an RPA bot or uh, and a process engine like Comunda. Uh, you've got experience with this already, having you know, been somebody who put this sort of stuff to the test. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of benefits or what kind of experience that you had whenever you combined these tools? So we, at one point, we realized in the testing team that we were, that our test cases were actually business processes only with test data. So one day we thought, okay, we, we use production data and uh, provided to our test cases. And suddenly we had an automated uh, business process. I thought, okay, from now on, we, we go out and ask colleagues, do you have business process we can help you with? And we got processes and we automated them in, in task. And then we had to schedule the tasks somehow. So we used what we had. So we used Jenkins, uh, the ICD environment. Mm -hmm. And then you have like a few, of a, a few dozen Jenkins shops and you cannot see in which order they, they are running, which uh, job is depending on who and mm -hmm. uh, which jobs are running in parallel and which, one, which job is waiting for the other. So after a few processes, it got really messy and uh, we thought, okay, we have to stop here. We don't automate more because it's it's getting harder to maintain mm. and we need a visualization. And then, of course, uh, Kamuna came into mm. our view and then we made an experiment and it actually had much more benefits than only the visualization because you have this workflow engine underneath, not on, underneath the, the visualization and mm. uh you have the BPIM NRS, and suddenly you can move the exception handling up to the work, uh, workflow engine. You mm. visualize the exception handling, and, and you're, you're done. You can concentrate in your task on the actual logic of, of executing the task mm. and leave the rest to, to the engine. It really increased the development efficiency, and it made things so much easier. So when we... We migrated then actually the Jenkins jobs to Kamunda. So we transformed the jobs into external tasks and oh, uh, right. run them. Cool. And suddenly we could even wipe out single tasks that were just taking care of making, 
getting exceptions or something or a starting process or something. And mm. we had actually less jobs and, and tasks after we moved to Kamunda because there are things that BPMN just does for you and you don't have to invent the wheel again. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think um, in the beginning with Kamunda, people would have, uh, we came across loads. We, were, we used to be replacing home-built process engines. And we used to always tell people like, why would you bother building one yourself? You don't build your own databases. The, the process engine was perfectly fine and it's based on standards and it's open source and things. Um, one of the things you mentioned there that, that I think is kind of important to bring up is the external task pattern, uh, because without that, I don't think it would be any way possible to integrate those. And just to explain from the Comunda perspective how that works, and then we can talk a little bit about how we're able to, how important it is uh, for the integration, is that Comunda, of course, in the engine in particular, is a Java application it's a really small little jar about four megabytes and uh, that you can embed into stuff and uh, which is great so that means you can talk to it with java and you can orchestrate java code with it and that's actually how it started the the, the Komunda engine and then I think a couple of years ago, many years ago now and uh, we decided to look into releasing a a feature that would allow us to abstract people's business logic away from the engine and we were still thinking in java terms at that stage as well and one of the things that happened was the external task pattern then became essentially a way to solve it thinking back it sounds crazy but it was solving the problem of long running services that was the problem we had because when we were one of the come on one were great but when we had some java that ran for a really long time because it runs on the engine's thread it would time out and crash, right? So the problem we were trying to solve with external tasks originally was like, how can we abstract a Java class or service so that it can run on its own thread or its own thread pool for as long as it needs to? And then it can tell us afterwards. And an example would have been video processing where people had like this like process and a part of it was rendering a video that took like five hours. Like there was the engine basically couldn't deal with that. It was way too long. So external task pattern originally was designed to solve that problem, which is crazy because that has completely disappeared as a, as a, as a use case at this point, because the side effect was that we created an API, a REST API that any language could use to be able to get work from the engine and then in its own environment, be able to run stuff and not only tell the engine when stuff was completed, but as you said, the error handling was super. You could then say, hey, we attempted to do a thing and we failed. And not only that we failed, but we failed in a way that we think if you retry in like 10 minutes, it'll probably be okay. So you can tell the engine all of this. You can even tell the engine, hey, this is a BPN error. So the process continues just a different route. So we ended up finding this way of decoupling the business logic from the process while keeping a huge amount of, of referencing. And then that's when we ended up getting communities like the C-Sharp and Python community jumping on board and being able to say, oh, we can generate clients really easily. And now we have come under running on RPA. Uh, now we have come under running with using robot framework. So external tasks are core to how we bumped into this whole community, ironically, for trying to make long-running Java processes run. Um, and that's where, where robot framework actually connects. So if people are wondering how exactly does Commander run a Python 
robot framework thing, it comes back to this external task pattern, which I'm sure you're very well aware of. <laughs> yes, it's it's so funny that you basically you created Kamunda platform by accident. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of did. I mean, we we definitely here's the here's the thing that that is actually the most interesting is in the early days, there was so few of us. I think when I joined, there was 20 people in Commanda. Now there's like maybe 300 and something. So I don't even know how many. But I remember really clearly that we put out this this external task thing, and we were so focused on the community reaction. And we we always had these discussions. How are people using it? Why are people using it? And actually, it was the C Sharp community that first showed up out of nowhere because we weren't really trying to, to talk. We didn't, we didn't even discuss how C Sharp could be integrated. But for whatever reason, C Sharp people started showing up and started saying to us, oh, this is great. And we internally then thought, oh, this actually, we need to pivot this use case. This actually used for calling polyglot, like orchestrating polyglot architectures. And then we ended up discussing, well, okay, let's let's think about the next couple of years of this product, if that's the use case. And that's kind of how we built it. It was entirely by listening to the community about how they were really using a product in a way that we did not intend for them to use initially. So it, it which is very funny because it mirrors robot framework really closely, which was originally a testing tool that found people using it for something completely different. And now we have this scenario where we have, again, community-focused stuff. We need to listen to how people use the software and then not just listen to it, but act on it internally. Then you end up getting a really cool thing. Yeah. It really tells a lot about the, about all you you. Uh, community managers and and about the, the company because you you listen to the community you, you became aware of how you your users use your product and abuse mm. it in a, in a way and create <laughs> new opportunities for you right yeah, today I, i started with a with the kamunda platform and because i i was so late into all the kamunda stuff uh, now the external task patterns for me like the logical thing to to use because then you view kamunda and the workflow engine as a service yes And I cannot imagine why I would like to embed this in my application. I want, it's, it's so comfortable to have this at the service that I have in my view, I have monitoring on it. Yeah, you're, you're right, actually. It's probably one of the reasons why Kamunda Cloud exists is because once people realize that they could treat an orchestrator as a service, the next logical step was, well, make that service cloud available. So now we have Kamunda Cloud, uh, but then we needed to think, well, if we're building a new product, and it's cloud-based, why don't we just rebuild the engine to be cloud-native? So that's actually why we built ZB. So one of the things that's kind of interesting about the way Kamunda platform works is uh, it uses this really great engine, which is honestly solidly, it's a really, really good piece of technology, uh, but it has a few flaws based on the time it was built. Now, I wouldn't say flaws. I would say it has limitations because most people would never even come across these in most use, which is it has a relational database. And that means that it has a certain amount of connections it can make. It has a certain amount of speed of transaction based on committing to this database. And this is, and also scalability. You can only really scale as big as your database will allow you. So, and again, if we were thinking about this as a service, what we want is a completely elastic service 
that can say, for very small use cases, we just need a few little nodes and it's fine. But as it gets bigger, we want to be able to scale it infinitely. And so we designed then ZB based on the idea of what if we just took away the whole idea of transactions? We took away the whole idea of a database in the back end and just say, let's say, well, we can, how fast can we make this go? Then we made something that's very cloud native. You just stick it in the cloud. You don't need any other sort of systems around it. It's self-healing. It, it has a self-perpetuating clustering mechanism internally. It's really, really good. And it's perfect for cloud stuff. So that's where that came from. And to your point, it's still, if you look at it from the outside, exactly the same as come onto platform because you just use external tasks in exactly the same way. It's a little more efficient. In fact, it's built explicitly for external task pattern. As you said, why would you want to embed the engine? It's a lot of work. <laughs> but I see that um, the RPA and robot framework stuff is going to be very easily transitioned to come into cloud in the future. Do you see any benefits in sort of this sort of move yourself, knowing what you do and not knowing what you do right now about come into cloud? About come into cloud? I haven't used Kamunda Cloud uh, and ZB. I want to. So I <laughs> I have already created a GitHub repository and that's called, I think, Robot Framework uh, ZB because I want to have a, a library and, a, and, a, and an API for Robot Framework accessing ZB and Kamunda Cloud. Mm. But I think back when I did this, the the technical terms for process and stuff, they were different from the Kamunda platform. And the I don't know the gRPC protocol. So I thought, okay, this is a lot of work. And yeah. my couch time is really, really rare at the moment. <laughs> I think at the moment, I think we're releasing a open API, REST API thing. So you can auto-generate clients for coming to cloud. That's probably coming pretty soon. And I think as soon as that happens, we're going to see the same boost in people who want to build these random workers in random languages showing up. GRPC is way more efficient for stuff, but it's also not really very well used. So I think giving people the option to use either a REST call just like that, or, or just building GRPC clients, because that's one of the things you can do as well. GRPC makes it a little easier to just build a Python client just by pointing at here is the GRPC thing. But people still love REST. And um, we also actually added a very interesting um, thing recently, which is for UI. So right now with UI and Kamunda platform, they, it uses the REST API, of course, right? Which for something as generic as Kamunda can be a bit of an issue because you'll end up getting way more data than you need when you query. Also, we found this all the time. When you're querying from a front end, you maybe want a task, specific variables associated with that task. And this is a whole bunch of stuff that happens across different tables. That usually makes in Commander Platform at three or four calls required to generate a single thing for a user. So we started investing in GraphQL as a, an API for Commander Cloud, which means you can query and say, I want incredibly specific data associated with this user task. And then all of that joining is done on the server side. And then you get back exactly what you've asked for rather than either too much data or having to query more than one time for a thing. So that's we're looking at all the different things that people complained about for the last like seven years about Commanda. And we're trying to already look into fixing them before they become another reason to uh, 
complain on the forums to me. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> on the cloud, yeah. I have really high hopes in this PyZB client that Neil and, and Josh, yeah. Josh tried. Because if, if this works, then uh, it's really easy to wrap a robot framework library mm. around that uh, that client. So really looking forward to the next uh, Twitch uh, session. Yeah, and for those listening who are interested, you can always, it's a, it's a, it's a joy to behold Josh and uh, Nela, two people from the Commander team, trying their best to fight their way through a language they don't fully understand. Uh, I really enjoy it. It's it's a really fun learning experience as well. But in the end, they're trying to build something worthwhile as well. So that's actually a pretty fun thing. And of course, Marcus, yourself and Asco also do uh, Twitch streams as well, if you want to uh, plug that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So Asko is a software architect from the University of Jyväskylä in Finland. And he and I, we had around the same time the idea of, about combining Robot Framework and Kamunda, but we had different approaches. I was coming from the tester and robot framework side. So I was thinking about robot framework developers and users. And I think Asko was coming from the Kamunda side. Mm. So I implemented a library for robot framework users to access Kamunda, to tell Kamunda, okay, I want to start this process. Okay, well, now mm. I want to have an, uh, a process instance. And uh, Asko, on the other hand, he built an external task client and that does all the stuff. And the robot framework implementation doesn't know that it's working with uh, with uh, Kamunda at all. Mm. It just receives values and processes. It runs. All right. Okay. And so the the use cases are different. So I think the my Kamunda library, it's for for quick start. It's it's uh, it's really good, and it also works when 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 you have more processes. So that's that's okay. What I think will happen in the future is uh, if the the setup that Asco is doing, that this is actually the the way to go that you have really flexible robot framework tasks mm. and that you can run anywhere if you can run it in the robo cloud from robocop or on your on your own machine in your own cloud wherever mm. and you have those clients from asco that takes care of sending uh, if a test case or a task fails in robot making a bpn error out of it or making an incident mm. out of it so you don't actually realize in your robot task that you're dealing with bpn yeah that's ideal. So I think this is the future. Yeah. And the Kamunda library, I now saw a use case where a company used it for testing Kamunda, actually. So because oh. you have access to the REST API, <laughs> you, you can test if your de deployment of processes worked. Mm. If, uh, if you run some tests on, on your process, check if the variables really are set right in, in the process flow. So this is where Robot Flavor comes back to the roots again and uses mm. the Kamunda library that I implemented. So I think this is probably the, in my opinion, what will happen in the next year, what's mm. probably the best potential. That sounds like fun. It sounds like a lot of uh, potential for both uh, frameworks. And you wanted me to drop this in, so I just want to say, so Asko, he's, uh, the he's a software architect in, in Finland, in Jyväskylä, and he's this year he's on paternity leave. Mm. So he uses sometimes his lunch break on a Friday to teach me his Kamunda client. Mm. for robot framework and we stream this on twitch so i think now two or three weeks in a row and i don't know where this ends because this is so much fun to do yeah and i'm I watching myself it is a lot of fun watching asco talk through just everything he's built and i kind of like as well that he has a certain amount of eccentricities with how he codes stuff that he likes 
things a certain way. And I kind of love that. It's a really fun thing to watch. So yeah, we'll probably, we'll try to add a link to that in the um, description. So yeah. And with that, I think I shall leave you there. Marcus, thank you very, very much for joining. It was a joy and a pleasure to chat to you again. And I'm sure we will again soon. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. For everyone else, thank you very much for listening. And uh, hopefully, if you have any questions about Robo Framework or about Comunda, you can visit the forum. Uh, if you're interested in events that are coming up, we have a comunda.com forward slash events page. And if you have any questions, myself and Nela have a fun little uh, question corner on most once a month on the end of a Thursday. Again, that'll be on the events page. There's lots of ways of getting in contact with us. So I'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Roll the credits. Credits, we got credits. First of all, shout outs to Niall and Marcus for that conversation. As mentioned, Asco and Marcus stream live on Twitch. Check the show notes for the link and like, comment, subscribe to these guys. Props to Inclusion Audio for the editing and to the legendary Shingo Nakamura for keeping it progressive house. Keep automating all the things and stay safe out there. Seacrest out. Seacrest out.